This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. You're listening to episode 115. Ooh, excuse the mess. Of the In Between podcast, where you'll discover ideas to build a strong, connected, and joy filled marriage and family. My name is Daniel M. And I'm Christina M. Well, I don't know how your season is, where you are at, but right now, as we podcast, we are in full on sweaters and jeans because guess what? Happy fall, y'all! <laughs> it yeah, has like happened! That. Happy fall, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> there should be like one of those nice. Uh, what do you call them? Those boards? Yeah, the boards. Yeah, it says happy we, fall, y'all. We, we do have one oh, in our house. Oh, we do? That, that says that? Okay, that's probably why it sounds so awesome. I love it. The letter board. <laughs> yes. We have one. Yes, exactly. What great idea. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, honey. Put myself in the back. Yeah. And look at that. Already done. <laughs> I put your thoughts into action. <laughs> oh, so funny. All right, so what does this have to do with anything? <laughs> I've lost we're starting my train a sign business? Yes. No. Yeah, no. No, we're not. <laughs> we're actually on this episode, we're going to be interviewing Michael and Smith. She is also known online as the Nester. And we're going to be talking to her about practicing hospitality in every season, even during this COVID season, because I don't know about y'all, but uh, we've had to make a few changes, right? In the way that we share our home, in the way that we even share food. And even in the way that we decorate our homes, because honestly, sometimes I feel like, am I decorating for me? Am I decorating for people who are coming to our house? But if no one's coming to our house, should I even be decorating? <laughs> you can only have so many pumpkins, right? Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> so that's what Mike Quillen is going to help us kind of tease through. I love that. So for the past 12 years, Michael and Smith has encouraged women to embrace their homes, imperfections and all. She's a self-taught design school dropout who took a week-long course so she could be a certified home stager and redesigner. Her and her family have lived in 13 different houses, apartments and condos and spent plenty of time getting real world design experience. <laughs> That's how we kind of feel, right? <laughs> yeah, no, for sure, for sure. All right, so without further ado, let's listen in. Well, Mike Willen, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. We are thrilled to have you here today. Well, I'm thrilled to be here, guys. So I wanted to let you know a little story. I came across your name uh, probably maybe about five or six years ago. We had just moved to Nashville and a family friend had come up to visit us and she took a look around our house and she was like, oh, goodness, you remind me of the author of The Nesting Place. And I was like, what? I've never heard of, <laughs> of Michael Lynn before. And then I looked you up. And oh my goodness, I did not realize what uh, like a blessing that was to be able to be even remotely in the same sphere as you in terms of decorating our home. So we want to uh, talk to you today about how we can practice hospitality in every season. And I love this because it really goes along with your newest book called Welcome Home. And you've done something wonderful in terms of it's such a beautiful book, but it's also broken into the four seasons. So can you let us know, uh, how is this book, Welcome Home, different than your previous two books? 
Oh, well, thanks for asking. I think every book comes out of like a big frustration, <laughs> like a big <laughs> problem with yourself. Like, yeah. oh, I've been real stupid with this. So then I guess a little smarter and then I write a book about it. So um, Welcome Home is really my answer to myself about how do I decorate for the seasons without going overboard like a crazy person like I used to do uh, and feeling like I had a part-time job to like pack away stuff at the end of fall or at the end of spring or whatever it was. I really wanted to honor the season in my home, but I didn't want to have a part-time job, uh, you know, storing holiday decor in my attic <laughs> right. all year round. Um, and so that's really kind of where that book is. So it's all about seasonal decorating and hosting, and they really go hand in hand. Before that, I wrote a book called um, Cozy Minimalist Home. And so that the subtitle for that is More Style, Less Stuff. That um, I'm, I'm in love with minimalism. I think it's amazing. And I could never be a minimalist also. <laughs> uh, <I laughs> that's awesome. Reading. It's like fascinating, you know, but I find that I'm sitting reading minimalist blogs on my day bed with three throw pillows and a cozy <laughs> fur and my cat and like, you know, way too many things. So I get that. Isn't it like, I think a lot of us relate to a world that honors minimalism, honors the intentionality, because um, I really like the idea of everything having a purpose that we have. I just like mm -hmm. to have more things with purpose in my house. Like I want it <laughs> to make sure it feels cozy. I want throw pillows. I want a rug on the floor. I want drapes, but I also want to be responsible. I don't want to waste stuff. I don't want to have more things that I need. I don't want to live in clutter. Uh, and so that book takes you step by step through uh, everything that goes in a room and really like how to decorate step-by-step step, making informed decisions in the right order. And then before that, I wrote a book um, called Nesting Place tagline. It doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. Oh, so that's God. for anyone who lives in imperfect circumstances, which is all of us. <laughs> um, <and so laughs> yeah, especially now, right? Oh, right. I know it. So just how to kind of get along with our house when our house isn't our dream house. And and newsflash, yeah. no one's living in their dream house. Mm -hmm. Well, even if they yeah. thought it was their dream house, they're probably sick of their dream house yeah. now. They're and like, get me out, bro. Yeah. <laughs> so true. So that's great. That's great. So as we are in the middle of transitioning from summer to fall at the time of the recording, we'd love uh, to hear how you start to transition your home from one season to the next, even if the weather doesn't feel fallish. Don't you just put, you just put pumpkins everywhere, yeah. right? And then you call it a day? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they melt away in Nashville. So. <laughs> yeah. It's a great question. I love that you asked about transitions. I think uh, it's not like the sexy design world <laughs> word. Everyone wants to talk about like, oh, how many pumpkins should I have? But there yeah. is something about those transitions. Like when we look to nature, that's what's happening right now. It, no matter where you live, like different things are always happening outside. And so I like to look to, well, how how is God decorating? You know, what's going on in my own backyard? And how can I bring that in and honor that in my house? Uh, and so the very first step as you transition, so like right now, we're, it's August when we're recording this. So we're kind of transitioning out of summer, even though it's mm -hmm. still the same temperature that it was three months ago. <laughs> right. um, but I find that when I am reliant on the temperature to allow me to decorate, that means I'm like fully 100% wanting the visual decor. And, you know, 
having a layered seasonal home is so much more than just the visual decor. And that's kind of what I've had to learn over time. uh, Because when I just rely on the visual, it fills my house up with stuff. But as we're moving from fall, or from summer into fall, first of all, I'm just walking through my house and kind of looking at anything we don't need any longer uh, Mm -hmm. from kind of our summer life. So even though summer temperatures aren't over, our summer life is kind of coming to an end. We're not going to the pool as much. My kids have gone to college. Like, so we need the activities in our home to be different. And so I just kind of walk through the room and find things that we're no longer using and I put them away. So editing out is kind of the first, just a quiet little step. And it just kind of simplifies everything. And I do that no matter what the season, at the end of winter, at the end of spring, like what are we no longer using based on the activities that we're doing in our home? Oh, okay. So are you talking about like, we always like to talk about the nitty gritty in our, on our podcast. Are you talking about like putting away the pool noodles or? Exactly. Um, there any- okay. Okay. I totally yeah, get that. away the pool yeah. noodles. And so like when I was, when my kids were younger and at home, this would be like, okay, now we're going and sharpening all the pencils and we're putting them in a pencil holder on the homework table. I would move a table into my living room. Okay. That was like the homework. We homeschooled for a couple of years. And then even when we didn't, you know, the kids like to, they'd much rather do their homework in the middle of the living room than up in their room. And so we'd have right. a big surface, just a Kmart table uh, in our living room. And so just preparing that it would move from in the summer that table would be like the Lego and puzzle table and the cat lane table. And then as fall happened, as they're going back to school, my schedule's filling up. It was more like we had our little planners on it and we had our school supplies on it and uh, things like that. So just thinking about the real activities, the actual things that you're going to be doing in that room Mm -hmm. usually are different in August and September than they were in the summer uh, and, and building around that. So really starting with that. And that's what home is. It's there to foster our activities. And of course, I want it to be beautiful as well. But if you don't start with the function, then you just have something pretty that you're going to trip over. Yeah, exactly. The amount of times I've had to clear things off the stairs, even though it's so pretty, like going up the stairs, I'm like, my kids are just going to kick it down. So yes. we just got to get rid of it. Yeah, you cannot yeah. Listen. I know we've all seen that picture with the pumpkins down the stairs. Yes. That was just there. That's the stage. <laughs> Those pumpkins did not exactly. live there. That's right. One picture and uh, you're uh, back out. <laughs> Very true. Yeah. Well, Michael and I love how you're saying that we uh, are decorating um, for looks as well as functionality. And um, with the pandemic happening and resources being really tight this year, hope maybe even next year, um, we really appreciate your philosophy of you say to shop your own home. Can you tell us a little bit of what that means? And what does that what does that look like as you're walking around like I'm in this room with five pillows? Uh, I don't know what to do with that. So you can let us like, how can we recreate with what we have already in our own home? Oh, it's so fun. Uh, A lot of times our home can be the first place that we should actually shop. And so, you know, whether you just need a change because you need a visual difference in your home life or in your room, or sometimes you just need a function change, like, okay, we're going to be homeschooling or I'm going to be working from home. So maybe I need a desk, maybe I need a different chair, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. The best place to start is in your own house, in your own garage, in your own basement, in your attic, in your yard. And so what you will do is just kind of walk around and try to have fresh eyes and think about the items that you already have. Are they being put to their best 
possible use, could they possibly work somewhere else? So I know in our house, um, and we've moved, we've moved 14 times. So that kind of what? forces you to shop in your own <laughs> wow. house. You know, we've moved yeah, way too many exactly. times. But it ga- it gave me great practice because the, you know, the dresser that I originally bought for my kids as a changing table dresser uh, is now in my living room with a lamp on it. It looks real pretty. It's been in our bathroom it's holding towels. It's been actually in our kitchen with the coffee maker on it. And so seeing how one item can serve different purposes is such a fun way to get like the most use out of an item. If sometimes we're just visually tired, like we just, we just want to change, but we don't want to have to go buy something new. Just switching up, you know, the shelf in the bedroom or uh, maybe the wingback chairs from our uh, dining room. Maybe we put them in the living room next to the fireplace. Just moving things around sometimes can jumpstart our creativity and um, solve a problem that we thought maybe buying something new was the only answer to. The wait is over. Find out what happens in the thrilling conclusion of the 12th Dead Sea Squirrels book, Babylon Breakout. Hi, I'm Mike Naraki co-creator of VeggieTales, voice of Larry the Cucumber, and author of The Dead Sea Squirrels. Get ready for more daring rescues and hilarious jokes as Merle and Pearl and their animal friends embark on a ridiculous mission to bust the kidnapped Gomez family out of Babyland, a Bible-themed amusement park with talking animals. Young readers will love the nutty misadventures of 10-year-old Michael and his friends and will learn all about biblical life lessons such as forgiveness and friendship. Read all 12 Dead Sea Squirrels books. Available wherever books are sold. I love that. Uh, One thing that uh, stops me from doing that, Michael, and I don't know if you've ever felt like this, I feel like sometimes if I move something and I don't like it, that I've done something wrong. And then I might forget (laughs) where it was supposed to go that I liked it. Do you ever struggle with that? (laughs) Is that like a mentality that I need to get over? (laughs) Yes, it's a mentality that you need to get over, but it's also very common. So here's the thing. Take a picture where you love it, but also know that it, listen, if we want changes in our home, then we have to make changes. And uh, if we cannot trust ourselves to try out and take a very low, low risk, what is a, is there any lower risk than moving a piece of furniture that we already have? It can always go right back where it was. So if we cannot take a risk in our home, and even let our kids see us taking a risk, then how do we take a risk and, you know, try out for the job in another state or uh, buy a different house or start a new business? Like risk taking is such a good skill to hone. And I think things like that start at home, things like that start with our children seeing us taking those risks. So I believe that making a nail hole in the wall is a wonderful way to start risk taking practice uh, to move the chair from the dining room to the living room. If you hate it, what are you out? You sweat it and pin it out a shirt and now you can burn (laughs) some more calories and move it back. No one ever has to know. You don't have to tell the world. Your mother-in-law didn't have to come over and make a comment about it. You get to do it in the privacy of your own home. And I think it's so great for our kids to see us say, oh, I don't really like that there. Oh, well, I'll just move it back and like laugh it off. It is such a good practice and habit for even if no one's watching us, even just for ourselves, you know, that's how we learn. And maybe you do learn that, you know what, I don't like that chair there because it's too big or because it's really dark. And that what that does is that informs what you actually need. So then you can Mm. go on Facebook marketplace or to the furniture store and say, I'm actually going to need a really comfortable chair or a low chair or something that leans back or something this size. So using what we have uh, first can be so helpful even in just narrow down narrowing down our decision making process. 
Hmm, I love that. I love how you've taken our conversation <laughs> and really from the practicalities and really moved it into character development too and and the nitty-gritty and and you know for Christina and I as as followers of Christ, I mean, one of the things the Bible talks about is uh, being, I mean, it, it is practicing the one in others and being hospitable. And that's a huge part of our marriage and even in our vows of how that is such a high uh, value for mm-hmm. us. So let's, let's uh, take a turn and, and talk about that. Talk about hospitality. What does hospitality mean to you, Michael? Well, sometimes I say hospitality is grace with throw pillows. <laughs> um, That's awesome. <laughs> Doesn't that sound pretty? But mm. I really hospitality when it comes down to it, to me, it's just about connection. It's not about the house. It's not about the host. It's about uh, connecting with others, whatever mm. that looks like in different uh different times of my life that's looked differently, uh, different times of my life I've needed different types of hospitality. I've been able to offer different types of hospitality. And even, um, you know, I'm an introvert and I know a lot of, a lot of people are about half the world. And so you don't have to be an extrovert to, uh, want to host or want to have people over. But I do think it takes a little bit of being in tune with your personality and honoring Mm. how you were created. Um, There's no shame in that. Like I I think if you grew up with maybe a parent who hosted every Sunday after church or had people over every weekend, there can be this sense that if you're not doing that and if your personality can't stand uh, or can't maybe hold up to that, that you're doing it wrong. And I believe that we were all created within our personality and there's a way to be hospitable that honors uh, all of our personalities. Right. So give us a little bit of an example. Um, you said that you're an introvert. How do you see yourself hosting as an introvert versus maybe a, a family member or someone else that you have a friend that you've seen is extroverted? Oh, Where's the difference of that? Sure. Well, my husband's an extrovert, so he wouldn't be totally at home fine and actually thrilled if he came home and there were always extra people here. He <laughs> is so life-giving to him to have other humans around. He loves it. He loves people. He finds so much joy in them. And, and as an introvert, I love people too. I find joy in people, but um, it's not life-giving. It's life-draining to me. It's exhausting, but I still love it. And so uh, being aware of our differences there means we plan ahead. So maybe say this weekend, if we were having someone over, then I would know that that means the nights leading up to Friday night that I need to kind of have some quiet, like I can't be using up all my energy or else I won't have it to spend on the people that I want to connect with. And if I don't have Mm. the energy to connect with those people I might as well not even have them over because that is the whole point. So he and I are on the same page with why hospitality is important. And that is to connect Mm -hmm. with people and to honor them and to be in a place where we can listen. And if I have used up all those energy resources, then I'm not in a place that I can listen. And he understands that. So he totally honors my personality and makes sure with me that um, I don't spend that the week before. Otherwise, we'll have to cancel, which we have had to do before because I have spent it. And then we know that it would be worse to have people over and not be able to truly listen to them. I think we've probably all experienced that in different ways, whether whichever end we were on, um, you know, just going ahead and going through. I don't want to cancel. But listen, it's okay to cancel, especially when 
if someone's coming over and you feel like you're going to be frantic or not be able to truly mm-hmm. be in a place where you can connect with them, it is so much better to cancel. So we, we are very free with that, but we also know how to plan ahead. Um, and so I know that I have to be in a place where I'm not frantic. I'm not crazy. I'm not like totally preoccupied with my house and cooking and stirring and not burning. And so that means I don't cook as many foods from scratch, even though I love cooking foods from scratch, um, because it will take my energy. <laughs> and mm, I want to use okay. my energy to sit and talk and truly listen. Hmm. Right. Okay. Tell me a little bit more about you not cooking from scratch, like all the things, because that's one thing before the pandemic when we were hosting quite a bit where I figured out, I'm like, oh, if I make, let's say the main meal, I'm going to buy dessert or ask uh, the people who are coming over to bring dessert over. So that's one less thing that I have to do. Okay. So tell me what you do. I want to hear, you know, all the things about that. (laughs) <laughs> well, I I really, really enjoy cooking. I Nothing makes me happier than cooking for a crowd. I am in my happy place to cook for a crowd. I just love it. I don't like making desserts because I don't like to measure things. I like to cook actual <laughs> But that being said, I have found if I go too big on my um, having to pay attention to everything, then then the stirring, then the bread that I'm homemaking, then if everything is from scratch – it takes too much attention away from my guests. So I have this rule where I allow myself to make two things homemade and everything else is either store bought or others brought. So that Uh, might mean I'm picking up, you know, stuff from Zoe's kitchen. Maybe I'll get kebabs from Zoe's kitchen, but I'll make the yummy salad dressing and the croutons. And then I let myself make one other thing as an honor. Like it just honors my guests. It honors my own time. Mm. And I've never regretted it. I've always at the end been like, "Woo, I'm so glad I didn't try to like have things in the oven on top of the stove and preparing beforehand and doing a charcuterie board. Like that's fun. But it, again, especially if you know your own energy level and that mm-hmm. for me is really, I could, I love it so much that I could spend all my time focusing on that and then not have anything <laughs> left for my. Right. Yeah. I love that how you are really talking about knowing yourself and that's how you can honor yourself, your family, but also your guests. Are there any other sort of rules that you have um, for yourself or just even guidelines for yourself to be able to really host others um, in the way that you want to? Well, another thing that I've learned is, um, it's really easy to think about like, okay, I know myself and like pay attention to myself and I'm going to honor how I made. And so I want to be ready for a guest. And then it's also very common to think about your guests. Okay, well, they're gluten free or their uh, youngest just started preschool. So I'm going to make sure I'm going to ask them about that. But I think a person that sometimes is easy to forget about are the other members of our household. And um, mm. we have a, a very high introvert son. And I could tell if I did not kind of help him, especially when he was younger, prepare for people coming over, especially when there were kids his age, if I didn't pre-warn him like, hey, there's going to be three kids your age, they're going to be up in your room. So you might want to put your Lego whatever up high, or you might want to spend some alone time, you know, for the next hour or so just to kind of prep for that. Or if we're having people like if you have people spend the whole weekend and um, you have introverted kids to allow them to have some time to themselves and not have to be on the whole weekend. And so that means that he could go down and play the piano for an hour. And I'm not going to walk down there and say, hey, you got you to get up there with our guests. You need to go hang mm. out with it. Like, no, 
he is allowed to be his own personality. You know, obviously I want him to say hello and respect our guests and hang out, but I want to allow room for him to uh, re-energize in the same way that I've allowed myself to do that as well. All for the purpose of being a great host. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Now, I know all of us are thinking, uh, I thought COVID-19 was supposed to be over by now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're going into fall, another season. Uh, I think, yeah, spring, summer, and now fall of this global pandemic. So we'd uh, just to finish off this episode, we'd love to know if there's anything that's changed in the way that you approach hosting due to the pandemic. Oh, there sure has. I mean, we're not having uh, groups of people in our house right now. And we are used to having lots of people over. We have people over a lot just for random things, helping us uh, with a project on the weekend or what have you. Um, We have been really enjoying the impromptu text of just friends that live close saying, hey, you guys want to come over tonight for drinks outside in the backyard? And that Mm -hmm. has been such a great way to connect with people. It's very low Mm -hmm. expectation. So when you're not planning a get together two weeks in advance, all expectations go out the door. So all they expect is (laughs) drinks. You mentioned that it's outside. So they come dressed accordingly. I just have to have a toilet clean. We're outside <laughs> hanging out and it's been so nice. Usually I'll have like a list of three or four people that live close by because usually the first person, you know, they might have something else they're doing. And so we'll just kind of work down that list and see who can come and I'll, we'll make, uh, you know, do a cocktail or have a popsicle and a Prosecco or whatever it is and enjoy just hanging out together outside. It's been such a fun way like a no pressure, no planning, really enjoyable way to get together with people. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Michael, and for your time. And uh, we wish you the best on your book launch. And we'll put a link to your book, all, all your books and, and everything in our show notes. Um, but for those of our listeners who uh, would love to connect with you and uh, dig a little bit deeper, where's the best place for them to find you online? Well, I give daily encouragement on Instagram. It's one of my favorite places to hang out because it's so visual. So you can follow me at The Nester and all kinds of information at thenester.com. Once we have events, we'd love for everyone to come to our house. Uh, And we have lots of fun uh, learning about home opportunities. So I would love to see anyone there as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Michael Lynn, for joining us and really just inspiring us and remembering and for us remembering that uh, we don't have to spend a ton of money to be able to decorate our homes. And also what true hospitality means, especially during this COVID season. And I know as this episode drops, you may be starting to think about how you're going to celebrate Halloween and what that means for you and your family, as well as perhaps your neighbors, your friends, and your community. I really love what Michael Lynn has talked about and is really starting to give us ideas about how we can be hospitable and also COVID-friendly, right? We need to remember that, but also to be able to be open and encouraging and even friendly to our our neighbors and and the kids in our neighborhood love it awesome well you know what on episode 116 next week we are going to be talking about three things you can do when you can't make a decision and if you're anything like us it almost seems like there are thousands and thousands of decisions to make right small big super important should we celebrate halloween should we not 
Why? Exactly. Do so I ring doorbells with a finger or a popsicle stick? <laughs> what do I do? That's right. So I know next week is going to be super helpful and fun as well. So make sure you're subscribed if you haven't yet done so, so that the episode drops right into your podcasting app. All right, we'll catch you next time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast. Two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman, discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.